It is Locked on Jazz for the 16th of December. The Jazz beat the Warriors. A lot of things looking better. Some things looking just as bad. Plus, a Monday run around the NBA. It's all coming up on today's edition of Locked on Jazz. Pow! How are you? Good morning, good afternoon, good day, wherever it is you might be listening. This is Locked on Jazz, your daily podcast on the Utah Jazz, giving you insight, expertise, geeky numbers, hopefully making it a lot more fun to be a jazz fan each and every day of the year, delivering usually Monday through Friday. Today we are coming to you from a cold hotel room in Jackson, Wyoming. Uh, I came up for the weekend with a weekend off to watch my son um, ski race. Uh, He promptly... Uh, DNF'd on both the two runs I've seen, so I'm wondering if I'm a jinx, but he also got into college, so I had to come up and take him out for dinner and celebrate uh, with him on that account. So uh, a lot of good, fun things going on in the life of Locke. All right, let's talk about the Jazz. Uh, The Jazz beat the Warriors the other night. Um, So if it sounds at all different, that's really the reason why, because we're just literally in a hotel room with a ski hat on, two sweatshirts, um, and and bringing you the show today. a lot of good things going on with the Jazz. The offense is really beginning to click in. They've had three of their five best offensive performances uh, in the last few games. Uh, we knew this, you know, they played that stretch of games against the best defensive teams in the league and looked really, really poor offensively. And now that they're playing some teams that have some flaws, they're exploiting them. Uh, they had a, a 115 offensive rating against the Warriors. Warriors game's interesting because they just had no effort in the first half. It was pretty disgusting, frankly. And then they get it rolling in the third and fourth quarter, and they win by eight by the time, and you never think they're going to lose. And, you know, it's not ideal, but it is the NBA, and most teams try to take the easy route out as a way to try to win before they go the other way, you know, do it the other way. And, frankly, it wasn't the starters again. So we'll dig into that um, in our second segment today of things that are still not right. But we're beginning to see some real growth from this team. So the Jazz have hit in their last five games. They've hit 14, 19, 8, then 16 and 16 three-point shots in a game. Boyan had eight of the 16 the other night, tying a franchise record. Uh, but you're beginning to see double-figure three-points made on a regular basis. That was not the case um, early in the year. In fact, the Jazz had uh, the game against Sacramento, who was flawed, with 18 threes, but other than that, in the Jazz opening eight games of the year, they didn't have more than 11 in any game. Um, Since then, they've only had about five games where they've been under 11, so we're beginning to see some progress uh, in that regard. Uh, They've turned it over a little bit less recently. Uh, They're still not a great offensive rebounding team. That that has been my concern, is just that if you both turn it over and you don't offensive rebound, you've really got to shoot it to be great. Well, they're shooting it great. They're the number one catch-and-shoot three-point team in the league. So when the Jazz go get a catch-and-shoot three, they're the best there is uh, in the NBA right now. And that's how this team was built. Um, What's impressive is if you just run down the numbers, it feels like it should hold. Boyan's at 47%, a 71% effective field goal percentage. On a catch and shoot three, Jeff Green takes the second most. He's at thirty-eight percent. He's the of the guys who takes him. He's probably the least good shooter there is. But seventy-eight or thirty-seven point eight is not bad. 
Donovan Mitchell's at 39% on catch and shoot. Mike Conley's at 42. Royce O'Neal's at 48. Joe Ingles is at 39 and rising. George Niang is at 45. Emmanuel Moutier is just 26%. We knew that when we got him. He just does, that's not his game. Dante has taken very few, and that's it. So the guys that get catch and shoot threes, they knock them down. Bogdanovich, I mean, the numbers are crazy. You swing it out to just about anyone. Bogdanovich, 48%. Green, 38%. Donovan, 39%. Conley, 42%. Royce, 48%. Joe, 39%. George Niang, 45% on catch and shoot threes. And you're feeling good. Moody is the one guy who's in the regular rotation who does not shoot the three particularly well. Uh, and we, we that's not a big surprise. The better sign, though, is the development that's taking place. So in October, the Jazz took 18 and a half catch and shoot threes a game. That was obviously we talked about it then. It was it's a you know really way too low. It was one of the lowest rates in the league. They were like the second or third best, but they were 27th or 28th in take. Then in November they upped it to 20.6. So pretty pretty big jump. They jumped two uh, catch and shoot threes per game uh, as a team. That's that's pretty impressive. In December, they're at 22 catch-and-shoot three attempts and making 44%. Now, that's not... I mean, it's better. It's still below league average. Houston's taking 29. Pelicans are taking 28. Toronto's taking 28. Um, So it's still, you know, the 22 a game still ranks, I think about... I could look at it. Uh, ranks about 20th in the NBA. So maybe 19th. So it's not great. It's just a lot better. Um, there's still room to go uh, in that regard for this team as they as they continue. Because that's uh, really what's the essence of who we are. That That's what we do great. Um, and we need to continue to get better. Uh, doing that. Part of it might be Joe Ingles playing some point guard, opening that up in December. Uh, Joe's done a nice job. He had another really solid night uh, the other night, um, playing 33.7 minutes. The the tricky thing is he does seem to need to play with better players. Um, and in that sense, it's it's a little tricky for Joe on how to get him in that. We'll 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 kind of dig into that here um, in a second. So the Jazz, there are there are little signs. Of development now, the one area where there's not a sign of development is defense, and the opposite has happened here defensively since Rudy's returned from his absence. The Jazz are the 21st ranked defensive team in the league. Um, I was trying to figure out if I could figure out who it is or when. It's it's virtually everybody. Um, Donovan's defensive rating in that time period is a 114, as is Boyan Bogdanovich's. Jeff Green's is a 113. Jazz are minus 16 per 100 possessions since November 27th with Jeff Green on the floor. Incredible number. Uh, Emmanuel Moutier is at 113. Rudy Gobert is at 112. Um, so not great. Ed Davis is at 108.4. So our defense is actually better when Davis is on the floor, but we can't score when Ed Davis is on the floor. We're minus 17 per 100 possessions um, in the same stretch. We're 4-4 four and four in that stretch since Ed's come back. Royce is at 108, Joe's defense is 105, and George Niang's is strangely at 103.4 um, in the time in which in he's played. Dante's is, is better than all of them and might be considered Dante for some defensive purposes, but they can't score when Dante's on the floor. And he's played you know little, very little time in that, I think about 40 minutes. So 
you know, it's 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 interesting. Um, some of it, I think, is a stretch where Jeff Green played center and the numbers got inflated, but it's not it's not a great sign. Um, that the, so the Jazz offensively have clicked in, and one thought and one theory out there from some of the uh, people around the team is that they've been just so focused on offensively. They were such a mess that they were focused so much on offensively that now the defense has slipped. So we'll see uh, whether or not they can regain that focus. And this is just all part of the process uh, of melding a new team together and a team that um, that Quinn Snyder has done a you know over the years has always done an incredible job uh, doing that. There is the bench issue is still real. We will dig back into it. It will seem like ad nauseum. I think you'll probably be tired of hearing that all the time, but uh, we will do that. Today's show is brought to you in part by Murdoch Chevy. They're located out in Woods Cross. Uh, they do incredible work. They've been in Salt Lake now for ninety years. Uh, the Murdochs and Chevy, part of Americana, part of Utah, connected. And the lineup of cars is just terrific. You have the uh, Blazer that I'm driving right now, probably on my way toward the end of driving my Blazer. I'm going to have to give it back. I've been kind of reluctant uh, to let them know that it's time because uh, I've enjoyed driving it. So solid, great in the snow, great weather car, uh, super space inside, looks good. People comment it all the time. Everywhere I'm going, people are commenting on the Blazer. There's also the Equinox, which does... Um, which is the regular SUV, and then you know the Tahoe, you know the Suburban. The truck line is the Colorado and the Silverado. They're awesome. Unbelievable. The Silverado is just the most unbelievable truck. So if you're looking at end-of-year purchase, head over to Murdoch Chevy, located in Woods Cross. They're also up in Logan. You can stay out at Ben uh, there. It's Murdoch Chevy. Uh, if you are looking for a special little gift, if you're kind of in that, that last point, um, we, we have a partnership, not a big one, um, but go to breakingtea.com locked on. You can get that Joe Ingles t-shirt for your jazz fan. Um, breakingtea.com slash locked on. They've got a bunch of great things. And then, you know, after you're done there, you can go look around the site, but they have the Joe Ingles hoodie for $48, the Joe Ingle headband t-shirt for $28. We, I just bought a bunch of them for friends. They've got some other things, um, that on our list of things as well, but, um, some fun Golden Knights uh, things and some 49ers things and uh, some Cody Ballinger and piece. And then if you just search around the site, they've got awesome stuff too. So feel free to check that out. All right, so the bench is an issue. And to me, Saturday was a breaking point. So with Donovan Mitchell, Emmanuel Moutier, Jeff Green, Ed Davis, and George Niang on the floor, to close the first quarter, in 2 minutes and 38 seconds, they got outscored by 7 points. Okay, so that happens. Except for listen to who they're playing. In those seven minutes, Omari Spellman, Marquise Chris, Jordan Poole, Damon Lee, and Jacob Evans. Like, J- Jacob Evans, former first-round pick, we'll see if he's an NBA player. Damon Lee's, no offense to Donovan's buddy, he's like 27. Jordan Poole's the worst offense player in the NBA right now. Marquise Chris has been on the verge of being out of the league. And Omari Spellman hasn't really proved he's a rotation player in the NBA. And they go plus seven. We bring Joe Ingles back in. Take Emmanuel Moutier out for the part of the second quarter, and they play even. Now, they had D'Angelo Russell on the floor for some of that as well. So it was D'Angelo Russell, Damon Lee, Marquise Chris, Omari Spellman, Jacob Evans. Still, we had Donovan on the floor. I'm not sure it should be even. Started to bring our starters back in, stretch it back out. Go an 8-0 run. That's what it is. Starters go plus. 
Starters open the game plus... Starters go plus nine. Combination of starters and Emmanuel Moutier goes plus four. And then our bench comes in again and goes minus five to open the third quarter. Donovan Mitchell, Emmanuel Moutier, Jeff Green, Ed Davis, George Nier. Against. Against. Omari Spellman, Marquise Chris, and Kayvon Looney. Jordan Poole, Damon Lee, and Jacob Evans. I don't want to overstate it. And then they start the fourth quarter with the same... We start the fourth quarter with a similar group, but with Joe Ingles, and we're minus three. Took Emmanuel Moutier out. Against Kayvon Looney, D'Angelo Russell, Omari Spellman, Damon Lee, and Jacob Evans. Come on. Like, that's not an NBA roster. Like, if we're trying to be a serious competitor in the NBA... We just can't have a lineup and a bench that's coming on the floor that can't compete in the NBA. And I don't know if it's the combination of guys. I mean, you look at that, Emmanuel Moutier, Jeff Green, Ed Davis are top 10 NBA draft picks. Like, there's a lot of talent there. This is not new, obviously. You know, when George Niang's on the floor so far this year, we're 17 points worse per 100 possessions. We're... 15 points worse with Jeff Green. We're 13 points worse with Ed Davis. You know, it's... Emmanuel Moody is like the saving grace of this group right now. Plus 3.5. It's stunning. And I don't know... Well, one, December 15th just came, so, you know, now is a time where if you want to make moves with players you just acquired, you can do it, so... I don't know I don't know what the answer is. But when Jacob Evans, Damon Lee, Jordan Poole, Marquise Chris, and Omari Spellman are beating you, there's like not a wrong choice. A little bit. I mean I don't want to overstate well I mean I don't want to overstate it, but it's stunning. And again, if it looked like we were getting better in that stretch, then I would feel differently about it, but if you took our net rating since Rudy came back from his absence, in the last eight games, Ed Davis is minus 17 when he's on the floor per 100 possessions. Jeff Green is minus 16. Emmanuel Moutier is minus 9. George Niang's minus 8. Donovan's minus 6 because he's playing with those guys. And the flip side is that Boyan Bogdanovich. And we have had some bad blowouts in there, so we don't have a lot of positive numbers. Rudy Gobert's positive. Joe Ingles, 1.4. Royce O'Neal's 1.9. Boyan Bogdanovich is a .4. It, it's dramatic. It's largely we can't score. Which is interesting, because George's a pretty good offensive player. But when Ed Davis is on the floor in the, since since November 27th, our offense is a 91. Since Jeff Green, it's a 97. League average is like 110. Manuel Moody, it's a 103. George Nian, it's a 96. They're all paired together. This isn't. I'm not shooting at one guy. The group is not working. And I don't. I really don't know the answer. But again, it's every night. But when it's now, Jacob Evans, Damon Lee, Jordan Poole, Marquise, Chris, and Omari Spellman. Like I just don't think there's anything that's off the table. 
Like, would Mia One, Emmanuel Moutier, Mia One, Jarrell Brantley, Jawan Morgan, and Tony Bradley be outplayed by Jacob Evans, Damon Lee, Jordan Poole, Marquise Christian, Omari Spellman? Maybe. Would they be outplayed by seven points in two minutes and 38 seconds? Maybe. Would they be outplayed by 12 points in five minutes? Because that's what it was. To close the first quarter was minus seven in 238. To close the third quarter was minus seven in 306. So it's 545 minus 12. I, I can't believe they would be. Now, maybe that's just circumstances and balls went in and things didn't go in. But it's not circumstances. Because I got this other data here that tells me this has been going on forever. I mean, you're playing on average. I mean, it's the, the scary thing is how many games this year Jeff Green or Ed Davis are minus 10 or more. Probably George Niang as well. Probably Emmanuel Moody as well. I'm not trying to single guys out. The group is not working. And the tricky thing for Quinn is that, okay, the group's not working. How many are starters with Mike Conley are plus 17? Our starters with Joe Ingles instead of Royce O'Neal are plus 5. Our starters with Royce with Joe Ingles instead of Donovan Mitchell are plus five. It's really good. Emmanuel Moutier with our starters instead of Donovan Mitchell and is like plus twenty seven. I think Joe Ingles has to be in there too. Like there's a bunch of little lineups that work. But if you try to start spreading out Boyan and Rudy and Donovan and Mike and Joe and Royce throughout all these other lineups to prevent that you never have more than you know, four bench guys on the floor one time, which we might have to do, then you never have your five starters on the floor together either. You can't have both. So it gets tricky. I mean, it's really tricky. And I'm not entirely sure um, what the answer is on that. And that's that's probably the part that I, if I, you know, as a Jazz fan, is is most disturbing and you unfortunately can't do like if we were playing video games I would I would just roll out Mione and Jarrell Brantley and like tell Jeff Green and Ed Davis to take a week off but these aren't video games and George Niang I, I mean I don't know I'm not trying to again I'm I'm not trying to single out a guy because I'm not sure I think that singling out a guy is accurate here the group is not working but you go do what I just said which sounds great which we can do on Twitter and you lose the entire locker room your choices are not bench a guy for a while and see how it works with some other, somebody else. That's, and then if that doesn't work, you're dead as a coach. So I, I don't know the answer. <coughs> Excuse me. Today's show is brought to you in part by Homie. Homie is revolutionizing the real estate market, which is really fun to watch. It's neat to have Utah companies that do this. They've already done this. Homie's so interesting. Homie's group already did this with Entrada and the property management group, and now they're on to their next thing. These are just, you know, these are stalwarts out of the BYU uh, business school, which is such a great business school. Uh, here's how it works. BYU, uh, BYU. Homie can buy any home for you. They have an agent that they assign to you. They'll do all the same things that traditional 
agent does. They'll find your dream host to our homes, make offers, negotiate the best deal, work for you to get $5,000 back. $5,000 back? Why do I need that? Well, because when you buy a home, your money pays for the home. It also pays for the seller, their agent, and whatever agent you choose to hire. So it's your money that pays both agents. Homie is returning $5,000 to you of that money. Remember, it's simple to get started with a homie. Just text LOCK, L-O-C-K-E, to 88588 and get an experienced local homie agent who will help you every step of the way. You can buy with homie, you can sell with homie, and you'll always save thousands with homie. Homie's got your back. Text LOCK, L-O-C-K-E, to 88588. That's 88588. All right, let's do our Monday run around the league. See how everybody's been playing over the last two weeks. Luka Doncic out for two weeks with Dallas playing their most brutal stretch of the schedule. And I am convinced, by the way, I'm I'm utterly going to go die on this island. It is not back-to-backs. It is most recent and amount of plane flights. I'm convinced the plane flight is the fatigue as much as it is is everything else. Um, So Dallas plays an incredible stretch of games where they have plane flights after plane flight after plane flight and has... um, going to do it without Luka Doncic. It'll be interesting to see if Tim Hardaway, how he plays. will be interesting to see uh, Chris Aspersingas. Good interview on Locked on NBA today with Nick Angstead, uh, with Josh Lloyd, local experts, biggest stories. That's obviously the lead story in the NBA. All right, interesting little, let's run through a few things about the NBA. Uh, Milwaukee over the last two weeks is a plus 22. The next closest is Dallas at a plus 12. Wow. Uh, Five teams in the league are hotter than anyone else. Milwaukee, Dallas, Lakers, Boston, and Philadelphia. Um, they are on a different planet than the rest of the world. All of them, except for Boston, is in a top 10, both offensively and defensively, the last two weeks. Uh, Dallas actually is 14th defensively, so those five teams are just flying. Clippers are solid. Toronto is... Utah and Phoenix are the teams that are well underperforming their regular status right now. Um, Toronto is a minus six and 29th offensively, really since Kyle Lowry's come back. This is an interesting dilemma for them. They're ninth defensively, but they are, they are not able to, they're not scoring right now. They're 18th in the league offensively now, 29th in the last two weeks. Indiana's defense continues to be great. Their offense is scuffling a little bit. Utah, we talked about last two weeks, they're 16th offensively, 21st defensively, 20th overall. Phoenix is hitting the skids a little bit. Aaron Baines is back. They cannot quite regain. They've slipped to 11 and 14. I wondered what was going to happen to them when they got punched in the mouth a few times. They have now been punched in the mouth a few times. And they are 23rd defensively, 14th offensively. Portland, with all their injuries, is struggling, and Minnesota has simply stopped playing defense. Over the last two weeks, Minnesota's defensive rating is a 128. That's incredible. A 128 defensively. League average is like 110. Over the last two weeks, the league average is 108.6. They're averaging 20 points per 100 possessions more than anyone else in the league. That is insane. Uh, it's often when you know someone's let go of the roof. The other one that's interesting, Orlando coming into town. Orlando, who's been great defensively all year and good offense, have completely flipped. So they are now the seventh-ranked offensive team in the last two weeks, but 25th in the league defensively. And they're the exact opposite for the season. So I have no idea who's coming into town 
with Orlando. Uh, Nikola Vukovic got hurt in that stretch, and so it's strange because he's always been thought of as an offense, and he just returned last week or last game. He's always been thought of as an offensive player, not a defensive player, so that's weird. I'm not sure I quite understand um, what's taking place there. Um, teams that, you know, you look at teams and wonder if they've let go of the rope. Obviously, New York, New Orleans, Cleveland, Washington, but Minnesota defensively, that's that's incredible uh, to see them at that level. Interesting note uh, on that Chicago's defense over the last two weeks is the number two defense in all of the NBA. Jim Boylan's got them playing defense. They can't, they can't score. For all of his crazy tactics, they do seem to at times do these kind of weird things where they jump to the top of the list uh, and do some things really, really well. Um, no, uh, no real surprises in the top offensively other than that Orlando thing I just mentioned. Miami's actually eighth offensively. Teams that offensively have just can't score right now are Toronto, who I mentioned, Chicago, San Antonio, um, and New Orleans, strangely, cannot score despite their pace of play. All right, that is a quick run around the NBA where teams are and what's going on. That is your Locked on NBA coming to you from, or Locked on Jazz coming to you from a hotel room in Jackson. Have a great day. Monday edition of all sorts of great stuff out there. There's the Monday edition of Locked on NBA with the local experts on the biggest stories. And Hollinger and Duncan are out for the week as well. So make sure you go tell your smart device to play the most recent episode of podcast Locked on NBA. Have a great day.